There's only three hot men in here today, not five. Yeah. Hot, sweaty, oily men. not enough for Andy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would you like me to go get some more? <laughs> I don't know if anyone's kind of, if anyone in here, I don't, I don't know if I'd like to see them oiled up. So. <laughs> you know, we just kind of shambled through the, through the, uh, the introductions for every podcast. Like, it always starts off like this. Have we actually record. started? We're starting now because I because okay. that that statement is too good to be cut. <laughs> you and you and your hot men fetish. <laughs> um, welcome to episode thirty-two, Pixel John Radio. Uh, my name is John. Uh, with me today is uh, two outstanding uh, hot men, <laughs> uh, Kaylin. Hello. And uh, Andy. Hello. Uh, both of these men have had their hands on. Pixel Junk Inc. <laughs> at, at some point or the other. <laughs> and since we don't have any supervision today from um, from uh, Rowan or Milky, oh, we did we did when we recorded the podcast podcast for the first time the other day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when we recorded this last Thursday, but you know when we recorded last Thursday, we just ranted about the Xbox for like an hour, um, which people may may have wanted to hear, especially. You know, I can always go outside and go look at that gift of the dog jumping out the car. <laughs> Which I've now seen, so we can't make a joke about me not having seen that gift, unfortunately. Why are you so behind the times, man? I don't know. I just don't really... Spending all this time filling up. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at hot men. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this is the do-over. We lost some people. Uh, yeah, I, I had to just... I'm looking at the recording button now, and it's on, so hopefully we don't... If, if it doesn't work this time, then... You won't be hearing this. You won't be hearing me <laughs> say this apology, for one. You'll just hear... It'll be a really short podcast, 10 minutes, and you'll just be like, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I hate this recording. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had this machine, right? And and it never seems to work the same, you know, for me every time I use it. We have all this recording equipment in the room behind us, and almost... And it's, I think we have more recording equipment than we need. Do you know what this needs? This needs this needs something to inspire confidence in it. So when you press record, record it should say, "I am now recording," and it should record that as well. Uh-huh. And then every every five minutes, it should should reassure you <laughs> and say, recording. "I'm still recording." <laughs> Just so everyone's clear, I'm I'm still recording. I've got this. Hey you, hey you, still recording. Yeah, uh, that might be difficult to edit. Well, there is a, re- a red light on the recording button. So. Yeah, today, um, I swear to God, it was a red light last time. I don't know. I think, I don't know. That other project that we're using this for, maybe something happened with them. I want to blame them. Okay. Yeah. My secret friends. Anyway, so since we didn't we didn't have a chance to get to a lot of the, um, the questions that were left on the page last week by uh, Christopher Wink, because <laughs> Christopher like flooded us with questions. Shout out to Christopher. Um, I figured we'd just like do a short go through of these and, and you know get him up to speed and hopefully any other shy people who didn't uh, comment and um, maybe answer some of their questions too. Uh, some of these questions I'm going to admit because you know we just can't really talk about everything that we do here. 
um, or everything we want to do or everything that we might be doing, but we're not really saying that we're doing, you know, so you just have to use your imagination, Christopher, and all those other people out there. But the Pixel Junk Ink stuff, we have people here that can talk about ink and tell you all of the nitty gritty details about what they're doing and what they want to do and where ink came from. Um, so I figured, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. You guys cool with that? I'm cool with that. Yep. I'm not working on it at the moment, though, but I can, I can talk a little bit. Well, why don't you guys, like, just explain what do you do with ink now? What, what do you, or what is your history with, with Pixel Junk Ink? Um, <clears throat> I wrote the prototype for him a long, long ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess worked on the initial design with Rowan and Andy when we were just brainstorming and throwing out ideas and getting a sort of idea of what the game would be. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, from that, making a prototype and uh, Andy started doing some graphics for that. Yeah, I started working on the art for the game a long time ago, and yeah, I did a bit, and then thankfully Yamamura took over, and he's he's taken it to where it is now. But yeah, I was I was kind of coming up with ideas at the beginning with Rowan and Kaylin. We used to go out for for lunch and talk about it a lot. Yeah, what were you guys talking about? Well, this is a just for some uh, chronological t- context. Um, this was in the winter of. 2011 yeah something like that yeah if you've if you've seen any like of the interviews that that Rowan's done in the past he likes to mention that like somebody went home on Christmas break and made the prototype for the game yeah, and their right. own impetus that was that would be that was like two and a half three weeks just in my house actually I didn't really talk to anyone for like a couple of weeks there <laughs> it made me kind of really weird <laughs> Remember, like you, a, took, you took that holiday just to work on the prototype, and and during that yeah, period, like I remember you, you coming back and saying, "Oh no, it went really bad. I spent all this time like replacing the debugger, and then realizing that the debugger was better how it was before." Oh yeah, stuff. yeah. There was a couple of days I took off for that that was wasted. That was like that was after Christmas. I remember taking a couple of days off, and doing all these big overhaul changes to the engine stuff, and then like just at the very end of the holiday, I realized. It was doing. I was doing it the wrong way, and I just reverted like the whole thing, and it just felt like I was reverting back like my whole holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my time back. Yeah. Just uh, so people know that, like the Japanese holidays at the end of the year are not Christmas holidays. There is a holiday close to Christmas, which is the Emperor's birthday, right? Yeah, his birthday is like the twenty third or something. But that's just one day. Right? Yeah, so it's one day, and then Christmas Eve and Christmas, you're going to be working usually, yep. unless you take those days off. And then the next week, you'll get some time off for the New Year holiday and a little bit after that. So it, it basically sh- shifts your normal Western Christmas holidays back a week, and that's just that's kind of how it is in Japan. So you had to take some of your own personal days off to do this. Yeah, I think I've probably taken about 15 days more. 15 days? I mean, scattered out, you know, like maybe 10 over that holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how you get your game made, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> on your own personal time <laughs> while you're working at a game company. <laughs> well, it had to be done. <clears throat> it had to be made. So. Yeah, do you think that that was the that prototype was what really got the project off the ground? Kind of. I mean, it, it. I think we might have been better off working from the prototype, but uh, we ended up switching to a different code base to do the the real final version, mm-hmm. the version that we have now, because we wanted some other features that that code had. <coughs> I think it helped us to get a sort of a because it was a playable game. It was we were able to get an idea of what the game was mm-hmm. more clearly and uh, play through it and find some things that just didn't make sense in the design early on and just uh, get rid of them yeah. change them. I think also it's a lot easier to convince like say Dylan or whoever that we should make the we should make the game if you've got a playable demo there rather than just saying, Hey, I've got this great idea that I want you to spend some money on. Yeah. With kind of fun looking screenshots. Yeah. You started building you had some cool base art in there. 
the all the the we haven't shown a lot of the um concept art but but were you concepting this stuff out uh before Kaylin started working on it or or was that after the fact yeah i didn't really do so much concepting until afterwards i think mm-hmm. when we knew we were, i think we knew we were going to actually make the game and then i started doing more more concepting Mm-hmm. Before that, it was just like I was making the old graphic mm-hmm. without really thinking about the overall look or mm-hmm. anything. But the look, the looks changed quite a lot since then. Yeah, I think people yeah. would be surprised. Yeah, I think. Well, we eventually we'll show some. Time, yeah. yeah, we'll show some of that stuff. I think. I think you know the concept part look, looked really good. Uh, yeah. Um, the new stuff look, looks really good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a like a lot of layers in the current stuff that that makes it look like how it is. Mm-hmm. All, all adds together to a pretty cool style. So, what were you, what were you guys thinking like before when you guys are all sitting around talking with Rowan? What was going to be like? Probably spawned from around when we were playing Terraria, I think, because there was a lot of like just user control issues with Terraria. Mm-hmm. It was a bit fiddly to work with, and. Uh, no, I guess me and Andy played lots of Minecraft as well, and I think we all we all like sort of sandbox style stuff. I think we knew we wanted to do something like Castle before we played Terraria, but when we played Terraria, it was just more like, holy shit, this is really fun, but we don't like this and this and this. Wouldn't it be nice if we made this game and tried to fix all these problems, but but with all, all our ideas from before? Yeah. From and also when we played Minecraft, we have also kind of different experiences. Rowan's not such a, like he didn't really play Minecraft because he didn't see the point because of all the, there's not really, at least when we were playing it, there wasn't really a, um, a goal or anything, there were just some monsters that just kind of wandered around mm-hmm. and and then you just go and build your own little castle off in the woods or whatever and, you know, that was fun for us, the creative part and the, for Kaylin it was more like setting up machines and stuff. Yeah. Can, as, as a, yeah, I've, I never played, well, I haven't played Minecraft beyond just like, I remember when the first, like maybe one of the free versions came out, you could play it in a browser or something, and, yeah, yeah. and I played a little bit, and I was like, what's this about, what's this yeah. for, and I didn't understand that, so. It's mostly imagination, I mean, you, you build a castle, and you're like, yay, it's a castle, but there's nothing there, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything, it's mm-hmm. just... <clears throat> Well, I could get that part. Well, actually, no, I didn't get that part at first. But then when that was explained to me and I tried to go back in and play again, I, I found the, the the whole creation element with the controls didn't really um, feel as good uh, as, say, actually having blocks in front of you <laughs> and actually making a castle, you know? Like, like if I'm going to do Legos. this... Yeah, out of Legos, yeah. If I'm going to... Yeah, yeah make this I kind of would rather do it with Legos I think one of the big disadvantages of something like Lego is because it's physical Mm -hmm. you you could you could make what you've got the parts for otherwise you have to go out and find more parts yeah which is a bit annoying sometimes I like there's a like in Minecraft getting your own supply of resources sorted out because you start off with nothing and then uh, I mean you can just mine a a ton of rock and you have enough supply to last for for a castle work, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, like organizing farms and stuff, and you know, getting a water supply, like because you just start in the middle of nowhere and everything is sort of scattered around the landscape. Mm-hmm. But as you sort of clean up and, and build your little houses and fenced up areas, you sort of bring it all into that that safe zone. Mm-hmm. And so you have renewable water supplies. You have like farmed wheat and stuff like that. <clears throat> I didn't even know you can make farms in Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah, new, new shit. for a really long time but it, when back when we were playing it the first time you didn't need any of it it was all com- just dressing because well when we were playing uh, multiplayer back then the, all the multiplayer survival mode stuff was broken oh, like, it was, the monsters didn't do anything you, there was no hunger or anything and there were, I mean there was, there was so it was so different to how it is now the, the game's really full of amazingly cool things that you can do mm-hmm. and like Kaylin always says that the the way like at any point in the game you can go off and do like a million other different things mm-hmm. it's not really any kind of straight progression it's kind of layered mm-hmm. and at any point you can kind of expand along any any layer and that's probably better if Kaylin says it because I can't remember what it was well it's like the, the vertical progression is not very high 
mm-hmm. the horizontal progression is easier wide. Yeah, yeah. So you know you can for potions there's only a couple of steps of progression, get this, get that, and make a potion. Yeah. And that's the end of it, you know. Yeah. You make a level two potion. Yeah. But uh in terms of the horizontal progression, like there's nothing stopping you at any point from just getting in a boat and going off to another continent or Digging a big hole or like just <laughs> punching cows or <laughs> digging one a big hole, throwing Minecraft. melons in it, yeah. then punching yeah. a cow into the hole. Yeah, like three hundred. <laughs> so it's a great thing about good sandbox design is that all of the elements are not connected. There's nothing that connects digging and, and cows <laughs> and melons. But you can dig you can dig a hole, punch a cow into it, and throw melons at him. Right? <laughs> I think like none of those things are related. But if you just add a stack of those things into the game, like people find interesting ways to put them together. Mm. That's that's uh, something that we go for in, in Pixelunk. Yeah. So how did that? Yeah. How did that? I guess this overarching kind of horizontal progression inform inform Pixelunk. And and uh, before I forget, Andy said castle before, and oh, that, that was our co- that was our code name for ink before it became ink. Yeah, I'll probably still keep saying it by accident. I say it sometimes also. Yeah. But how, yeah, how did how did games like um, Minecraft that, and that was just a result of sort of analyzing what what makes them sandboxy uh, and things like Grand Theft Auto and. You know, a whole bunch of stuff. Basically, it's a, it's a lot of non-connected elements mm-hmm. all thrown in there for the player to to find interesting ways to put them together. It's sort of just one of the key key elements for, for having the player do something that we don't expect, mm-hmm. which is a sort of goal. You know, we give them all the pieces, we give them all the Lego pieces, mm-hmm. and uh, they hopefully build something that we haven't thought about before. Andy. Any thoughts on? Sorry, I just thought oh, I should start thinking about Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> did, did either of you guys play the original top-down Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. No. Yeah, I remember when that, like, before that got released, I read about it in a magazine, and it came out around the same time as Carmageddon, which was like a completely different type of game. But that game was like, it was re- really controversial at the time for all the the gore. You know, yeah, yeah. You're just running over all these random people for mm-hmm. no apparent reason, doing stunts and getting points for it. And I, I read that Grand Theft Auto had the same kind of freedom to just run everyone over, and I was kind of like, oh, God, they're just trying to go for shock shock value. This this game's going to be shit. Yeah. And uh, and then I, back then I used to just play it. Like I would get a lot of computer magazines, and I would pretty much exhaust the CD-ROM that came on the cover because I didn't. There was no. Well, there was an internet, but it was just not as popular, and I didn't mm. have any internet connection. So I'd get these CDs and play just about everything. Well, we established your lack of internet in, in the previous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I played the Grand Theft Auto demo, and I was like, holy shit, this is like the best thing ever. And I went to school the next day, and I'm talking to my friends about it. And we, 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 we basically just played the demo. It's time limited. Yeah. Like, like a seven-minute time limit. We played it every day for a month until the, the game finally got released and we were talking about it non-stop at school like yeah. all the combos and things that we were getting and all this all the cool missions that we were doing even though there were only like three missions that you could actually really get to in the time limited demo yeah. it was really cool just like having that freedom to just go and do whatever you want and, mm-hmm. and back then you, there would be um seven minutes is not a long time no, no. but you could do quite a lot and you could go really <laughs> fast in the cars, like all there were all these different cars to yeah, steal. Like a two sound, two song sound. And you could press it was like the, a series of seven minute missions. Yeah, <laughs> I think they kept it in the more in up to Grand Theft Auto Three. I don't know, but um, you used to be able to press the horn button for the car when you weren't in the car, and you would fart or burp. And so I just walked down the street like farting and burping, like <clears throat> like that, just walking down. The street. And that was to me at a, at a, as a. Horizontal. 16 year old. That was really fun. <laughs> Progression. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, to type back to, to that, I guess it was kind of similar. Because you can do that and no one will stop you and it's okay. It's true. And even when the police do come and try and stop you, they won't end your game. And, you, and there are ways to escape from them and there are ways to, to use them. Like we were finding out all kinds of weird little things in the demo. Like the way you could, you could get 
chased by the police and after your um, wanted rating got above a certain limit, I think it was like four stars, then they would start setting up roadblocks. And if you were if you went really quickly towards a roadblock and then at the last minute you went around it, then any police car chasing you would often like run through the roadblock itself and kill a police officer. And you got this like irony bonus and it was like a really huge bonus, like times times seven or times ten or something points for killing the police officer using another police officer. Mm. And all these kind of points bonuses were really cool to discover. And then when we got the final the full game it was just I don't know, months were lost to that game. Just there was so much cool hidden content. Mm. Maybe we can have have everybody having their own story. What's the craziest like yeah, what's the craziest thing you guys have seen? I mean you have there haven't been too many people in the office outside of the, the core team play, but um you know, thinking of digging holes, you know, throwing cows in them and, and throwing melons at them. Like, what's what's kind of something that you've seen happen that you didn't really expect? In ink or in ink, yeah. Uh, nothing unexpected, yeah. Any more pieces? You can make machines, right? Wasn't Rowan setting up some kind of machine the other day? I think so. <laughs> I, I tried. I, I see some funny bugs. Yeah. <laughs> I tried setting up a machine the other day that was like had a bunch of incubators and a bunch of uh, solar panels and timed signal pulses that like cascaded all these all these grasses down and, and they fell into a funnel that went into a deconstructor and then all the matter fell out of the deconstructor and went into a crystallizer I think to make a, <laughs> make a crystal so you're automating the process of harvesting of the whole game <laughs> yeah, just, the whole game loop harvest end condition is that you don't have to play anymore <laughs> yeah, like I made this machine and now just I can just check in every it. now and then yeah. now I can just check it out I mean that's good if you want to do that that's that's what they enjoy some of the earlier ideas were kind of cool like we had this idea of like you would you would ultimately want to set up a set up your base optimally on each well, I don't know if we're even having planets anymore, like different planets, I guess, maybe Probably, yeah. we are. You would set up a base on on one world, and then when you thought you'd had enough of that world, you could just leave and go to a new one. And it would have been, I don't know if we, we can do it, but it would have been really cool to have kind of news reports from that planet, and based on how, how your base was functioning, you'd, you'd get different kind of updates mm. yeah I really want to do some uh, I really want to try some newspaper article generation yeah Yamamura's in Yamamura's style yeah yeah the newspaper <laughs> art and his, his funny English headlines <laughs> really make it good to read I think <laughs> they had they had um, I mean this is kind of maybe a little kind of a non sequitur maybe I don't know uh, but uh, one thing that I, like I played the Sim games like a lot when I was little, you know, like Sim City and all that stuff. And I played Sim Ant, and in Sim Ant there was like a world takeover like kind of thing where you go from the whole backyard into the house, yeah. and then any time you could you could leave, you could go to the overworld screen and go and check on your colonies because you have a colony basically in each tile. And then if you'd automated it enough, they would do you know, they would collect everything and fight the spiders and you know and avoid the um, mom or uh, oh, I want to play that. <laughs> yeah, but then once it got like to one point, once it got to the point where you had enough like colonies and you were having them send out stuff automatically, right. like you just start taking over the whole backyard, like <laughs> without doing shit. So I'd leave the computer and come back and be like, "Oh, I've got like twenty five percent more of the yard," and I wouldn't have to really worry about it until I got into the house again because the humans are there in the house right, and right. they're a little bit more. Difficult to deal with, but yeah. Anyway, that's what I thought of when you thought uh, of when you said, you know, getting newspaper updates from your other, yeah, your yeah, other only soup corporations. I only played Sim Sim City and Sim City Two Thousand. All the other Sim games I kind of ignored. Park. Oh no, that's different. I was thinking about Theme Hospital, but that's a completely different franchise. Oh my god! If anybody out there is listening, please make a multiplayer roller coaster tycoon. 
Yeah. Oh. Cost technique. Awesome. Just cooperative. Just exactly the same, it. but just more than one person. You can I've just... never played roller coasters. It was really fun to make roller coasters. Even on the original one, you couldn't ride them. Then they made the 3D one, you could actually ride the, yeah, the roller coasters cool. you made. I want I Oculus Rift that support much. for that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. But a lot of, a lot of the fun of, cin- of uh, roller coasters. Is that a game? It was made by Chris Sawyer. I think he basically just made the whole thing himself. I don't know if he made the graphics. I don't think it was Maxis. I can't remember the name of the company that made that published it. Like Aruba. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things about that game was that you could make roller coasters that that were guaranteed to kill the people that rode them. <laughs> you could just make a roller coaster that just ended abruptly, and the roller coaster would crash for sure. <laughs> but the line, and, but the you could still, because your theme park, you you were building roller coasters while the theme park was open, so you could get people to queue up and ride, get on the ride, and they would die. <laughs> You know, it's kind of fun. I think you can actually launch them out of your park <laughs> into the adjacent park, and because they they technically die in the other park, it brings that park's rating down. Really? <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> didn't know you could do that. Well, I used to love that game, but one of the things I didn't like about it was that it, it did, the original one that I played didn't have sandbox mode, and for oh. some reason they made landscaping like insanely expensive. So all the I would make a roller coaster, but it would just be like on a really boring bit of terrain, and I would want to make make like tunnels and cool. Yeah, cool I quite filming, like landscape, but it all, it really costs shitloads of money to do. I should probably go back and play like roller coaster tycoon tycoon two because I think that had the sandbox mode in it. What if anybody's listening? Yeah, roller coaster tycoon for the Oculus Rift with multiplayer support. Yeah, if you left that source code here in our office. It would probably get implemented like within a week. Because someone would take days off. <laughs> or spend their weekend. Which is what Roman did last weekend. Just with the Oculus. Just with the Oculus, yeah. It's kinda crazy. Very excited for this. So what else have you guys been working on for for Inc.? <clears throat> been doing some uh, I guess combat. It's I was my trying to think what, what style. To call it, but uh, it's kind of a mix of various things, probably. I guess if you want to think of something new, it's like guacamelee or uh, any of the old beat em up styles. Maybe uh, Knights of the Round. Percival. Galahad. Arthur. Or, you know, Ninja Turtles. Any of those old beat em ups. Maybe somewhere between that and the Magic Sword, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, greatest game ever. Greatest game ever. I can't agree it's or disagree because I've still not played it. Well, it's just a fact. It's not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. Whatever. I, mean, I, still, I thought Quake One was the greatest game ever. Hmm. Well, it, it's pretty awesome. Well, how can it be though? It was made before. Well, it, it, I think Quake is very subjective, isn't it? <laughs> no, I think you're very, very wrong. Well, I think Quake. Okay, how about this? Both of the multiplayer. I mean, both of the single player in those games are, are just get kind of boring. No, but really, Quake Two multiplayer is way better. Yeah, well, maybe I prefer Quake Two multiplayer. I mean, I think most Quake people who play Quake now think of Quake Two multiplayer as kind of a joke. But I had a lot of a lot of fun because that was when I was. When I first got onto the internet and I was on, on my 56kbps modem, and I was, it had good netcode though, so it, it had good um, prediction. And even back then, I was, I was kind of competitive with the ISDN players, even though they had much better pings. And mm-hmm. I wasn't like really a, a railgun man, I was more of a strategy man. Learn, learn, learn the map, figure out where players are, and launch rockets to where they're going to be in, in a minute. <laughs> Even the rockets in Quake 2 were really, really slow. It was still cool. Well, compared to Quake 1, they were fucking slow. Yeah, I guess I have fond memories of Quake 2 because that was where I started doing land fest and stuff. Yeah, me was, too. was Quake 2 and Descent. I was I joined a clan. Actually, I think we set our own clan up. It was really, We were really shit, though. Mm-hmm. But it was still a lot of fun. But I lived in dorms, right? But my dorm didn't have... It's so, man, it sucks so hard, man, because my dorm didn't have, like, universal, like, internet access, oh, right? No. What's um, the point of going to university if you don't get, like, 
T one one. So we yeah we just had phones in our you know phone lines in our room right, um, and this is the was this the first and the second year I don't know because I, I stayed in dorms for two years. I just remember we didn't have it, but the but the Quake Two server in the in the southeast that everybody would play on. The Rocket Arena server we'd all play. Oh, Rocket Arena was so cool. Rocket Arena and Quake 2, especially. Yes, Rocket Arena and Quake 2 is the reason I love Quake 2. And it was next door at Georgia Tech, right? So it was literally across the street. So even though I was on dial-up, (laughs) (laughs) I still got a pretty decent thing because it was right next door. So it was like still in like the hundreds, you know, or the 200s with like 56K or 96K or whatever modem, you know. Uh, Yeah, I played a fuck ton of Rocket Arena, man. Yeah, but <laughs> but but Pixel Junk Inc. Combat. Yeah, so this is yeah. what I've been expi- excited about, just like the, the combat stuff, you know, um, yeah. and, and seeing us finally get to smash the baddies up with something other than our yeah, we aim for defenses. Like something on the level of, I guess, the complexity of like castle crashes or or that sort of thing, like all of the weapons that you find that you produce will have maybe a couple of combos and, and give you a bit of a different style of melee fighting. Mm-hmm. We don't really want to have it too in-depth like a like a Street Fighter Street Fighter, uh, street fighter level of complexity because it just doesn't really feel fitting for the game. Yeah, that kind of level or that I don't know, you don't really need that level of complexity without no, it doesn't really competition add anything, or anything, yeah. right? So more like, uh, yeah, castle crashes are always probably a good way to think of it. Mm. What do you, are there, were there any kind of uh, weapons that you guys were thinking about like way, way back in the day before? Like, like you know, that no, you wanted we, to put in? Or was it more like, we just want this kind of explorable world? Yeah, we want it to be fun to move about and fight things. Mm. And I guess our benchmark for, for good fun platforming was Castlevania. So... Way back then, we didn't think about it too much. We just assumed that if, if there was a fighting system that was as, the controls were as smooth as Castlevania, it would just be fun. Mm. So that's what you have it here first, ladies and gentlemen. We want <laughs> Castlevania <laughs> with soup. Castlevania with soup. Mm. I mean, it, it's a good benchmark. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it very is. polished. There's lots of little details in the way the controls handle. Yeah, and, and uh, people don't realize how difficult it is to kind of get that good feeling with, yeah. with and and platforming and combat. It's not like, I mean, you play a game like Castlevania, and you just play it, and you're like, oh, this works. Yeah, this is I I understand. You don't if you don't think about it, it's it's done right. You know, mm. if you're not if you're never in a situation where you're trying to do something but the, that character's kind of like frozen or stuck in an animation or he won't jump. You know, it's like you're trying to do something, you're trying to attack, but you're in the middle of some other animation mm-hmm. that you didn't really do and it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, I remember like the first the first company I worked at in the game industry and I was having after I'd seen the game that we were working on and I gave like the designers, they let me play it, like it was like my first or second week there. They let me play it. I played for like a couple of hours and then, you know, they wanted my feedback. So I was like, Okay, you know, and then we went out for drinks that night. And, you know, I was talking and I was like, well, why don't we do this like this game or like this like this game? You know, I was like, well, I don't understand why, you know, some of the systems that we're using, like, isn't it just, don't they do that better in God of War? Like, why don't we just do that? <laughs> and they're like, dude, it's not that easy. <laughs> like, they have, like, even though you can play it, you still, it's not like, you know, you just replicate it, you know, you don't just program in, like, give me the God of War control, you know? <laughs> I think when you add 3D and heavy animations like that, it gets it gets pretty complicated because you can't have the the character sort of teleport around. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as you press a button, you want him to respond, but if he's in a completely different pose, like you can't just instantly change. That's something you got to kind of get away with with 2D games. Yeah, you know? yeah 2D is a lot more flexible. Though. Yeah, God of War. They do a fucking amazing job in that game. All of the like since the very first PlayStation one, the controls just feel. Like, I mean, the, the animation's really so smooth, is, yeah. but it just feels like you're in control. Mm. Whereas in some other games, uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head that have this problem. But maybe like the original Prince of Persia, the 2D one, like it, it had really good animation, but it was quite 
you had to know oh, when yeah. to press jump. Yeah. So that the animation didn't kind of push you over the ledge. Or like yeah, another world. To prioritize like the animation. Yeah, another world is a good example. But it never really felt bad to me. No, like, no, I never felt no. yeah, I really loved that game. Yeah, I played it on the iPad when, when what's his name, Eric Chale, 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 he yeah. was here, he was here in Kyoto and giving a talk and they had the game on um, iPad out there and, like, and I was you know, kind of playing around with it. I was like, oh man, this game is really fun. This game is fucking hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you don't, you have to remember everything because you have to do it. You have to do things a certain way, otherwise... No, you just die. It you wasn't just like... die very frequently. If you didn't just hit jump just before the edge of the ledge, like you had to... Be running from the right spot, yeah. and just yeah. so that well, his last step that was just exactly before the edge. What was it? There was that other game that was like that uh, flashback. Flashback. I mean, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, another world. I, I played it back on the Amiga when it when it came out. I think I played the pirated copy, and uh, I played the cheats as well. So I didn't really experience it properly. But then. Recent, well, not recently. About five years ago, there was a limited. Uh, well, it wasn't limited, but there was an anniversary edition because it was. I think it was fifteen or twenty years since it was released, and they uh, they updated the graphics so there was like high resolution rendering mode because it was made with uh, all the characters and everything were made of like polygons and stuff, so they, it can be scaled up quite nicely. The background mm-hmm. art was redrawn, mm-hmm. but I mean you could still play. It. They they had the nice feature that you could. You could play it in the original resolution with the original backgrounds and everything. That was really cool. And so I played the PC version. It was it was really good. I played it all the way through. And even now, like the animated, because of the style of the graphics, it doesn't look that dated. No. And the animation is really like considering it's all made just by one one guy apart from the sound. I mean, every, he did all the programming and all the the tools programming and all the graphics himself, and the gameplay, the whole game design, just made by one guy. I mean. Really fucking well made, and the animation is really, mm-hmm. really cool. Like just little touches, like uh, for example, the, there's um, you get this gun in the game near the start, and after you fired it enough times, it runs out of energy. And to charge charge it up, you have to go into these little like recharge stations. I don't really know how to describe it, but you go in, you walk in, and it kind of passes an energy across your whole body, and even like. You see, like a little cool animation on his hair, mm. and that, this was back like in—I don't even know how long ago it was, like 1995 or something like that, or 93. It was. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty far back. Pretty, I think it was older than that, didn't it? Yeah, maybe even know. older. Oh, it was either 90—I think it was 91 or 90. Yeah, maybe it was 91. It was really. You're old. saying Amiga, but of course you you lived in Europe, so. Yeah, Amiga was really popular. That's why I didn't play a lot of these. NES games like Rockman or whatever. Mm. People Actually, always seem kind of surprised. I played most of my console gaming from when I was like 14 on PC. <laughs> <laughs> and I found emulators. Uh. <laughs> and I was just super amazed at the technology. And suddenly every game that ever existed was right there. Oh, yeah. And when I, I pretty s- much just went through them all. <laughs> I discovered emulators when I was at university. I think I'd heard of MAME before, but I'd never really gotten into it. And then at university, this guy, I can't remember, his name was Dave something or other, but he, he released an emulator that could emulate CPS2 games, like uh, mm-hmm. this is the Capcom arcade board. Yeah. That It did like uh, Street Fighter 2 and um, Vampire and Darkstalkers. Yeah, yeah. And all these kind of games. So I, I went... I downloaded all these games and was playing the shit out of them at home, and I, and it had you could play two player yeah. as well. So that like um, one of those emulators actually had netcode in it. You could actually yeah. play online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was called Final Burn. That was the, the yeah, one yeah, Final Burn. Yeah. yeah. Do you know the guy who did that? I don't know him. Oh. I just remember his name was Dave something or other. Oh. Yeah, I had I had a a, a CPO a name box set name. It had, yeah, it had all the CPS two emulators. It had whatever. Pretty much everything. It had all these games that I remember playing in the arcade as a kid and being like, holy shit, but they were kind of rare games that you wouldn't see in every arcade, like (laughs) Cadillacs and Dinosaurs and Uh, what's Captain... Fuck, I've forgotten. It had like four characters. It was the same kind of beat. Yes. I love that game. That was so cool. Like with the big walking robots and things. With with the robot with the baby controller. Yeah. Yeah. That was... Really cool game, and so I was downloading all those kind of games, like Aliens vs Predator. Yeah, yeah, that's how I played a lot of the 
like the shadows of a Mistara, the Dungeons and Dragons yeah. beat him up. Like I remembered that in the arcade, but it wasn't until I built myself a main box yeah. that I actually got to play it. Yeah. I think yeah, I don't think game. most of those games were even released on console. I think maybe they were reasonably recently as even part of the, compilations, but yeah. back then you couldn't get them anywhere. Even else. on the more standard like NES and SNES emulators, like there was just so many games that for for region reasons and just mm. popularity reasons that like like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is one for me. It's like a really, really tight platformer. I never saw that anywhere. And I, uh, I don't think it sold well, and I don't even know if it came to my region. That was one of the reasons I modded my first Xbox, was to install emulators on it. Like, I still have, you know, I have an Xbox that has, like, maybe an 8-gig hard drive, and it's just filled with, like, <laughs> MAME and CPS2 ROMs, and, like... It's like it's and it was like that was what I brought that over to Japan with me like yes I can now if I need it now I really have things, to play something when, when can I buy that you know like who do I have to give money to I think part like, of the problem with a box the reason you the, can't the games is ever. just it's all lawyer shit mm. you know licensing all this stuff because so many different companies made all these games a lot of these companies are going to bust the rights to the games that they made might have gone to another company or they might have just I don't know be floating in the ether somewhere yeah. Yeah. so it's really good that you can you can just get the games on it, you know, get an emulator on the comp or, or there are you know lots of compilations now. So yeah, that's they're, they're nice. trying. There's some attempts, but I mean, they still haven't caught up to where it was when I was 14. No, <laughs> basically. Back then, when I was at university, though, um, uh, I used to um, I was in this club called Net Gamer, and it was basically a bunch of computer gaming nerds. And we used to get together with our PCs and have LAN parties. So back. We, you'd have to actually take your PC. I suppose a lot of people that might be listening would have heard of LAN parties already and be familiar with them. I wonder if people still do that. You know, it doesn't seem like the, there's much Not point, really but actually it's kind yeah. of cool. So yeah. Everyone has their computer in the same room. Yeah, yeah. You can see what everyone's doing and see their computers and their setups. And I, I think a lot um, nowadays some people get like special case mods and things to show them off. Yeah. But we would go go to all the ha- hassle of taking our PCs, sticking them in someone's car, and then setting them up again in yep. some some random room that we had to rent out and pay money for. Remember that this is in the age of giant ass CRT. This was CRT monitors. Yes. <laughs> so we got enormous yes. fucking monitors. Some yes. people had like twenty four inch CRT. <laughs> so that's so like huge. twenty. Yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah. And we'd go and set all this up. But I remember a few LAN parties I went to, I didn't even play any multiplayer games. So we'd, we'd set everything up, and then I was just like sat at my PC with a friend, both using the same PC, playing emulator games, two-player. <laughs> and there was another another LAN party where I think back then I had a, a PC that was kind of shit, and it wasn't really good enough for Running Quake 3, which was the popular game at, at the LAN parties. But um, I just ended up playing Tony Hawk's 2 for the entire time I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, man, I had to I had to carry like a twenty inch CRT up from my like like you know from my dorm room, which is like on the like fifth floor of this. You know, of course there's an elevator, but still you got to like carry it down. You know, yeah. I had to carry it across the quad and then go out, <laughs> put it in my friend's car, and then go back up and get my heavy ass case, do the same thing, and then you know we come back at like one, two in the morning, <laughs> and I'm just got to do it. And we can't find parking spaces because I went to school in the city. So, you know, if I drove myself, I'd have to, like, park my car somewhere and then carry my, my monitor for, like, blocks. <laughs> and it was so heavy, man. Ah, the good old days. Oh, our fir- I remember our first, um, first LAN party. Um, there was a prize for the Quake 3 tournament. And it was a real rocket launcher, but it was it was in the because it was the UK. You can't you can't have a, a rocket launcher for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But it was a decommissioned rocket launcher, uh-huh. so it wouldn't actually it, you couldn't arm it or anything. You couldn't just yeah. get a rocket to get. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was a really awesome prize. I didn't win it though. I remember lots of like land parties side by side playing independent games of like Final Fantasy V. <laughs> 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 Man, if we were land like when we land party, like we just play, we play a lot of Descent and a lot of Quake Two Rocket Arena and then Quake Three when that came out. Play a little bit of UT. Um, Counter Strike. 
Uh, no, we didn't play much mm-hmm. Counter Strike. Kind of need a lot of people for that. Um, well, we would have like we had like our land fest would probably at least like eight people usually. Oh, eight. That's not that many. Yeah, even for, for Counter Strike, though, forty four yeah. is a bit cutting. Yeah. What about Warcraft, Starcraft? Uh, we played a lot of Age of Empires and Starcraft. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Uh, we actually we did two big like festivals, like game parties, when E three was in Atlanta, called Uberfest, and we had like you know 100, 200 people show up yeah. from around the world, from around the, the states. Um, you guys know Tom's Hardware guy? Yeah. Like when back when we were doing this, that website wasn't that big, and so he said he was coming to E three, and he like emailed one of us. I think my friend Chad. And he was like, I don't really have a place to stay. Can I stay at your house? <laughs> <laughs> and so he was supposed to stay. Like Tom's, Tom from Tom's Hardware Guy was supposed to stay at my friend's house. And then like one of the hardware manufacturers heard that he didn't have a place to stay. <laughs> put him in like a hotel and everything. But yeah. Did you have sponsors and stuff there? We had sponsors for both of the big tournaments. Like, um, do you remember a game called Forsaken? Yeah. It was yeah, like, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. Descent. It had really kind of cool, yeah, it was like Descent, it had kind of cool like colored lighting and stuff, and it was really fashionable. Yeah, yeah, we did beta testing for them for that game, <sighs> right? They they flew some of my friends up to, to you know, test it, because they were like the best Descent players in, in, in America at the time, and we did the first, like, um, they had a Forsaken tournament at our, at our, you know, venue or at our, at our festival and the prize was like maybe five thousand dollars or something or three thousand it was a lot of money and basically my, my homeboy who was in the tournament it was also one of the organizers he's like i have to win this or we're going to be in the red for the tournament for the festival so he had all this pressure on him to win because it was a 1v1 you know thing so and he ended up winning oh that's good and, and paid for it helped pay for everything with that. <laughs> Do you remember back then, I guess it would have been a bit earlier, but like when Quake 1 was popular, that uh, they it had a, a contest, a Quake tournament at, um, shit, what's the event there? QuakeCon. QuakeCon, yeah. Yeah, I guess it would, probably was the first QuakeCon because it was for Quake 1. Mm-hmm. They had a contest, a 1v1 between John Romero and this guy called Dennis Fong, I think, Thresh. Ah, yeah, and the yeah. The prize was, John, I guess it was Romero's. A lock of his Ferrari hair. or someone's Ferrari. Oh, really? Yeah. A lock of his hair. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it wasn't Romero versus Thresh. I think it was someone else versus Thresh. And I just remember that Thresh won. Yeah, he got quite popular after that. Yeah. They had, they he was to... one of the early kind of competitive yeah. professional professional uh, professional gamers. Gamers, yeah. yeah. Thresh. Thresh. He actually had like a website, like yeah, where for like hardware reviews or yeah. something. I think. Firing squad, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thresh. And this is why Quake 2 is better. I just remembered this. Quake 2 had, you could import your own character models. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean it's better. I mean, this is like, that was one of my favorite things about Quake 2, though, yeah. A lot of loads of people. It was like going to Polycount and just downloading the craziest shit I could. Everyone played as women because the the model was smaller, so it was diff- more difficult. Not me. I was Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> that was in Quake Three Deathmatch. Uh, back- oh, I was right. Voltron. But Quake Two, I think it had also down. I mean, Quake Two onwards, I think they had automatic downloading of models and skins for mm-hmm. the other yeah. person using. You could yeah. disable it because it was too. Like if you had a fifty-six K, yeah, yeah. But if you're on land, yeah, you're on land. It's cool. Yeah, man. Some of the models had their own sound packs, and they were really exactly, fucking annoying. Man. It's so great, man. The crack core was the best, man. <laughs> this crack core. <laughs> just like this crazy slutty little woman, you know? And she would just say these really dirty things. Like, every time you killed someone, it's like, ooh, you know? It's so funny. Uh, we've gotten totally off track here. Oh, yeah. We actually have to go back to work. Yeah. Well, this is what? This is, yeah. Well, the podcast has been nearly an hour, hasn't it? Oh, it's been 48 minutes. Anyway, um, I guess we want to sign off there. Anything you guys want to say about Ink before we go? What's coming up for the next blog? We'll actually probably make a post about the combat on the next blog. Maybe some of the uh, finer details of 
enemy damage and mm. the way enemies respond to. What about the helicopter sword? What helicopter sword? What's that? That's awesome. <laughs> There's a bug in the sword at first. Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> when you swing, you turn into you a real play, you swing the sword and you just start to fly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you could like chain into an uppercut, but there was no delay on the controller for, for some because of some weird bug. So if you just spam the button, you would just sort of fly up into the sky <laughs> majestically. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening. Please follow us on um, Facebook. Uh, Pixel Junk, Pixel Junk Monsters, also on, on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Pixel Junk News. You can follow Kaylin on Twitter at underscore score K L. Kaylin underscore T. Oh, Kaylin underscore T. T Twitter. T Twitter. Andy, you cannot. No, you can follow don't. him on Twitter, but no, don't follow no, him. Don't. <clears throat> you can follow me, me at Porkins P zero R K one N S. All right, and for Kaylin and Andy, I'm John. This has been Pixel Junk Radio, episode. 32. That was a very chilled out podcast. <laughs> <laughs>